Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, podcast listeners, this is your humble host, Michael Smalley, and I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at smalleyinstitute.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Did you ever have that friend, you know, that friend in college you just couldn't get rid of post-graduation? Well, me too. In fact, I've been trying to get rid of this guy uh, forever, now almost more than 20 years, and somehow he has made it on to my podcast. Not sure how that happened, but surprisingly, he actually has some really cool stuff he wants to share with you today. We're going to be talking about cars, marriage, and possibly the four most important things you need to maintain on your marriage car so your marriage can thrive. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your host, Michael Smalley, and joining me, I don't know if this is his first time on the show. Yes, it yeah, is. That was your yeah. cue. That was your cue, buddy. Was, yes. This is your first time on the show. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I have is. for the very... Hey, don't talk over the host, please. All right. I'm quiet. <laughs> I have for the very first time on Smalley Marriage Radio... I have with me one of our intensive coaches. Yeah. You do intensives in Branson, Missouri, in Dallas, Texas, and even in Houston. Yeah. You're like or, the most extraordinary intensive coach we have. I just spread myself everywhere. Yes, you do. Out. And his name is Brandon White. He has his master's in counseling from Southwestern. That's correct. In Dallas. Is that a real yeah. program or is it like a... It, it purchase a degree kind of thing. No, it was real. It I was had, uh, years and labor, sweat, and tears. And how many masters did you go unfinished before finally finishing that one? Um, <laughs> that's just private information, so we don't Come share on. those kind. Of how many? Just one. Just one. Just what one. was it in? Like agriculture, environmental or? science. Yeah, yeah, you're so. one of those guys. You're the environmental science guy turned marriage expert. Uh, it's amazing how God leads in all sorts of different directions. <laughs> he does. And so, obviously, I can give Brandon a very hard time because we have, man. We're on yeah. like 25 years. Yes. And do, uh, you, do you feel comfortable enough telling the audience how you and I first met? I do, yeah. You're I not would, ashamed at all? Um, usually not. <laughs> so, I was a gymnast first, so I always have oh, to preface yeah, okay. that. And we met as yell eaters at Baylor. So, and another phrase for yell eater might be cheerleader. Yeah. Yell eaters is the mature term for cheerleader. So, yes. we, yeah. we were both male cheerleaders together at Baylor. 
University. And I actually knew your wife you did. before I had met you. So I know. Then you went on eventually to marry an Amy yourself. I did. Not my Amazing. Amy. That we would are, not be good. We are not brother husbands. That's right. <laughs> my Amy yes. is a redhead. She is. Otter, fun. You and her get along quite yes, well. Yes, we do. Yes, you do. I kind of like to think of Amy as you really married me. We were such best friends. You're like, I got to find a woman that reminds me of Michael. Yeah. <laughs> if that's your story, I, yeah, uh, we can go with that. All right. I know that's not fair, but she is an extraordinary yeah, she's amazing. lady. And you have four. Four kids. Like nine, seven, five. five and about to be three. Three boys gracious. and our youngest is a girl. Are you so. finally done? We are done. Because I don't want to be in a wheelchair yeah, throwing the football to to kids and. Well, I don't think you'll be the one in the wheelchair in our friendship. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm headed quickly <laughs> to that place. Brandon still looks like he did when we were in college, just a little thinner and a little more fit. You want it like? Is it HGH steroids? What are we doing? Well, healthy living. It's healthy living. Is it? It's yeah. A little exercise. A little. <laughs> Eat how you want to. Don't eat your feelings. Some nachos. <laughs> it angers me when I see you eat nachos, just so you okay. know. Well, it's a steady diet of mine. Yeah, so. I know it is. So, Brandon, you're here to talk about um, couples and, and, and looking at their marriage at, like a car and that, you know, obviously as cars go, they have four wheels. Mm -hmm. Those all four wheels are important to be functioning on the car. You don't want any one wheel flat or missing. Correct. And so you have kind of taught this. I think you learned this from one of our mentors, Dr. Mm -hmm. Ed Lamance. Correct. Who is brilliant. Yes. And and so tell us a little bit about this idea of, of driving your marriage car and what these kind of four main tires are that couples must be aware that they have to keep healthy. Yeah. And... The analogy, like you said, I use in the intensives or when I'm able to teach and train couples is the marriage car. And so there's four tires on the car. There's the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual tire. You have to have all four of those tires aired up well in order to see your marriage um, succeed and I think do well relationally. So, well, so what happens if... Maybe someone does pretty good on the spiritual and physical and, let's say, emotional, but mentally they sort of lack. You know, they don't really pay attention to that tire. What happens to the overall marriage if just one of them is neglected? Yeah, I think um, you're going to have a lot of um, hard work and course correction in your marriage because you're going to keep veering off to the side. And as you know, if you've ever had a flat tire or low tire, you really have to work hard to keep it back on the road. And so if you're driving with five or 10 pounds of pressure on one or more of your tires, that can be a harder ride for the relationship because I'm ignoring an important part of our marriage. Okay. So if we, all right, so we have four tires on the car and if we want our marriage car to be going in the right direction, we want it to be a fun ride, enjoyable, it feels safe. It's not just functional, but I mean, I, all the trips that we've ever taken as kids, they're better when the car is working properly. Correct. Fair. Yeah. Okay. And so you can get to where you want to go a lot faster. You can. And so let's tackle each one of these 
four main areas. And another way to look at this would be holistically. Sure. Right? That's Definitely. one of the things that we address in intensives as well. And I know you do this. I do this. Is I don't just look at communication. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a part of it, obviously. Mm -hmm. But you know what I find, and we can get into this when we get into the spiritual tire, uh, because I think we're meaning spiritual differently than probably most people are thinking. Mm -hmm. Was that a fair? Yeah. I'm salting, so we're not going to like give it to them yet. That's coming Correct. up near the end of the show. Sure. But when we say spiritual, we're not talking about waking up every day, doing your daily devotional together, or praying together at a meal. There's another aspect of your spirituality that, for me, I consistently find mm -hmm. missing in a lot of couples and they might have all three of the other tires cranking mm -hmm. pretty well, but they still end up miserable because this one spiritual tire is off kilter. Yeah, and I many times missing entirely. Sure, and so, I, I think yes, there's um, can be maybe a lack of understanding of how powerful and impactful the spiritual tire can be because we don't give consideration to an aspect of that that we'll discuss here in a little bit. Yeah, so let's tackle emotional. What is the emotional tire for a marriage? Okay. This is how I really describe it because most of us in our family systems don't get good training on how to process emotions when they present themselves. It's usually more of a reaction that so, they get. So what do you mean by most people in their family systems? Well, growing up. For the layperson. Yes. Growing up in your family, when emotion was presented, how was it handled by the family? Right. Was it shut down? Mine was, was totally it avoid. Yeah. yeah, ignore, avoid, and and so lash this is how passively. I describe it. I think it's simple but powerful. We either have emotional constipation or emotional diarrhea. Yeah, that's a lovely mental image. Yeah. So we either stuff, stuff, stuff. But what happens if you're constipated? Eventually, it's, it's going to explode. Yeah. Or if we're in diarrhea mode, we're constantly vomiting and just throwing our emotions out upon everyone. Yeah. And so that's the training we got. Our family system either sort of vomited or they just shut down and avoided. Grossest illustration ever. Yeah. But it's I perfect. Think, yeah, I think it, it works is. well. It is. So, And I think fundamentally God gave us emotions as indicators for where we're at, but not necessarily to make decisions when an emotion presents itself. So I have to be aware yeah, I'm feeling that emotion right now. But if I go live in that negative emotion, I'm going to start making decisions, which usually isn't healthy for the marriage. Well, what I love about what you just said is because a lot of times, especially Christians, think emotions are bad or evil. Mm -hmm. They're not bad or evil. Yeah. They're not good or bad. They just kind of are. Right. But I think I want to highlight, because isn't it true that a lot of couples get in trouble in this emotional tire for their marriage because they do make decisions while experiencing intense emotion. Yeah. And and therefore, you make decisions that you regret. Yeah. I won't get into details, but this happened recently in my own wife and I's, in my wife's world. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when you look back on certain decisions with hindsight, mm -hmm. you go, why did that get rushed? Mm -hmm. You know, why, did, why didn't everyone, why didn't we all just, like, take a time out, which we teach mm -hmm. people, if you've listened to the show before, uh, you know, and, and so that's important when you're dealing with the emotional yeah. aspect of your life is you got to recognize, hey, I'm experiencing this emotion right now. Yeah. And this is the last, I mean, how many times have I had to tell couples that? Mm -hmm. No, you don't make any major life decisions. Yeah. Even when, when you've discovered an affair, 
Mm-hmm. Right? What's the snap immediate decision anyone wants to make? You're yeah. out. This is over. We can never reconcile. And mm-hmm. th- that's the one thing. And people rush to decisions and they don't wait and give the Lord time even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just... And so in our emotions, we have to be aware that we're not Teflon Christians and everything just bounces off of us. Nothing affects me. But at the same time, say, if I'm feeling rejection, if I go live in my rejection, guess how I'm going to make decisions? Through the lens of rejection. Yeah. And that's where you're probably going to make decisions that aren't healthy and good for yourself and your marriage. Yeah, that's very true. So So now take us into the mental. So that was the emotional tire. Right. The mental tire. The mental tire is really what creates your worldview. What okay. what sort of creates your belief system about so this your is world? Your thinking. Your thinking. Okay. So I think your family system teaches you what to believe. I think your personality speaks into that. I think men women differences create sort of your thinking, shared experiences. Yeah. Um, say if you experience something. Say if say if one of your kids got sick. Well, it wasn't really on your radar to believe much about that. But once they, say, got pretty sick, all of a sudden, man, my beliefs have changed. Yeah, they're Because I had a personal experience yeah. with that. What about, would, would, would falling under mental be, you know, my father, not my father, this is hypothetical, yeah. mm-hmm. but my father was a jerk, or my father never thought about anybody but himself. Mm-hmm. Can that experience as a child then translate into the marriage? Where the wife who had the father that never cared about anybody else now says mentally, you don't either. Yeah. To her husband. So she judges her husband based on past. Based on, yeah, her father. And, and, yeah. And, but that has a lot to do even just with her thinking. Yes. And that probably crosses into emotional, tired, Correct. mental. But As you'll see, everything will intersect and overlap. But I do. think really it's just why do I think the way that I do? I think where it's dangerous is if we build our belief systems off of some assumptions. Because right. we a lot of times build our belief off of the behavior we got versus understanding why the behavior was there. Now, a lot of times I think so. you use this ABC principle with mm-hmm. couples in trying to help them deal with the mental tire mm-hmm. of their marriage. What What is the ABC principle? So the ABC principle is A stands for activating event. Okay, what so does that mean? A, so an event, a situation, so something happens. an issue happens, which produces a positive or negative belief okay. about that event. Okay. Which then equals a positive or negative consequence is going to be come out of what you believe about that event. Ah. So, can we always control the event? No, because we can't control other people. What we can start to control is what we believe in the event that just presented itself. So, how we move forward. Right. We have all the control in the world. So, if you're in a negative belief mode, most likely you're going to get a negative consequence. Yeah. You can't usually have a positive belief and get the negative and vice versa. Right. Whatever that belief is equals your consequence. What might be some common things that you've seen with couples in this area? What might be a good example? Yeah. I, like a real life one, even from your own life. Let's get a little, yeah. let's dig a little deep into the world of. First of all, I don't know if I want to dig deep into the world of Brandon and Amy. That's, that's true. Because the two of you are disgustingly perfect. That's not true. I know. Yeah. I've so, known you too long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this last weekend, um, Amy and I um, had family in town. And we, Amy and I personally were just disconnected the whole time. I was internally processing some things from things said or shared but again didn't didn't explore why (laughs) but just what was presented a belief kicked in 
which then led to a negative consequence in Amy and I's relationship what and was how the we belief? were in and interacting. We want the dirt. Well, I think I was struggling maybe personally with some internal things that I had felt exposed to in the past mm-hmm. that I didn't like that I... It just exposed where I was at versus mm-hmm. where the conversation was. I think I tend to be a beaver, if people know the personality the animal traits. personality, yeah. And so I'm more particular... Um, organized, detailed, detailed. Some might say anal retentive. Yeah. So when you have five, nine kids in the house, whoa, that you know my particulars are hitting the chaos of just yeah. nine kids being in the house. Yeah, not, not there's nothing. Thing. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. But as a high beaver type personality, but it affects me. That's stressful. Yeah. And, and so she's I, an otter like me, which is yes. why she's wonderful. So she can handle and absorb those things. I have a harder time. Handling absorbing chaos and what I see as chaos. So were you maybe even feeling, did you ever feel at any point ignored during the, the time? Where like, hey, are you not able to see? I'm stressed out with all this chaos. Well, I think for me, what I have to watch is my belief system starts kicking in. Negative beliefs that Amy knows this affects me. Yes. She knows I struggle with this. And then what follows is the feelings. So I yeah. think you're not going to feel something in a void. A belief has to kick in that precedes the feeling. So the belief triggers the, the feeling. Fe- yes. Yeah. So My father would be very proud of you right now. Yeah. So that's, so that's just sort of the process that I was struggling. And so if I'm not careful, I start to assign negative beliefs to Amy. Like she's a jerk. Or she, she doesn't, doesn't understand care. me. She doesn't care about right. me. Yeah, I took it a little, little extreme on the first one. Yeah. So, well, and but those are true. And the longer I live in that negative belief, the more it grows. It does. And I assign that to Amy, whether it's true or not. Yeah, and, and it builds and builds and builds. And frankly, our negative beliefs will spiral out of control into very unfair judgments mm-hmm. that aren't even realistic. Yeah. That the that our spouse doesn't even deserve. Yeah, and then and then so that's the mental tire and where. The so how do you combat systems, that though? Well, I think um, that's where I have to choose to believe the best in Amy. I think giving the benefit of the doubt that she's not intending to do this, even though she's aware of this, she's not going out thinking, "How can I make Brandon miserable today?" Actually, you know. she's texted me several times oh, that <laughs> very statement. Yeah, like looking for ideas. Yeah, like, hey, I want to make. Brandon miserable today. Do you have any thoughts? And I did you help her with that? Oh, gladly. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh. We'll be having a conversation. I don't, I don't want you to be comfortable. <laughs> you got to use the stuff that we teach in That's these right. intensives. See how Brandon's handling it. <laughs> so, all right. What about the physical? So we've emotional tire, mental tire. Now we're onto the physical tire. What are we talking about there? How does that get out of whack or fall off or go flat? Yeah. Well, I think physiologically things are happening. As the heart is an organ and can, can malfunction, the brain's an organ and can malfunction. Chemical levels can become imbalanced in different ways, hereditary, and you can't just pray your way out of a chemical imbalance because it's a physiological issue. And I think sometimes as Christians we think, well, you can just, that's irrelevant, that's not important. But that's where I think it's important to understand physiologically what's going on well, it, that at, is affecting me. Out of a fear of Christians listening to this, I'm going to say it anyways. Yeah. Because we tend, we can easily, Christians, I believe, I think Satan's goal is to get you out of balance one way or the other. Right? He we go to extremes. Yeah, he doesn't really care 
if you're being overly spiritual or totally like an atheist. Mm-hmm. He just wants you headed in one direction. Mm-hmm. And this physical, you know, I think sometimes with couples, I, I word it as biological. Yeah, that's a great. But it is, because it, you made a comment that people could take very negatively, right? You sure. can't just pray your way out of this thing. And I know, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. the super religious, when they hear this, they go, whoa, mm-hmm. are you saying God's not big enough to do a miracle and and balance my hormones out? No, right? You're one of the more, uh, I've known you forever, and I know you love Jesus, and, and I know that, you know, he's at the center of your life, and mm-hmm. that is not a statement saying that God is somehow incapable. Mm-mm. However... However, I do feel like many Christians over-spiritualize things, Mm -hmm. and they get convinced that I should be able to pray my way out of this deal when God gifted mankind with thought Mm -hmm. and talents and passions and desires, and and there are times where our biology is out of whack. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're not sleeping right. Well, Mm -hmm. when you don't sleep right, you're not a sinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there could be a reason I had a client. That she, you know, they the, the husband just kept going, this has come out of nowhere. This is the last six months have been a nightmare. This is not who I married. I mean, it was so confusing throughout the whole time. So by the end of the intensive, I finally went, you know, I really, and I wanted to check that tire of physical. Mm-hmm. I go, would you mind just going to my personal doctor here who's a good friend of mine and just get an overall well, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was called. I never heard of it, but it was this yeah. weird biological sleep disorder thing that really can only be dealt with through medicine. Mm -hmm. So she unknowingly hadn't been sleeping Hmm. like at all. And you know, I mean, you can become delusional Mm -hmm. when you're not getting enough sleep and the anger kicks in and it wasn't who she was. And guess what? They addressed, they addressed that disorder, whatever it was. And lo and behold, Mm -hmm. she was better. Yeah. And I think, some of the best words spoken to me were life is usually a both and, not an either or. Oh, it's not nice. this or this. It could be this and this that. I'm going to write that in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. So, so just keep talking as I type. All right. So that's, I think, physically, I think, um, you know, in the intensive, I'm not a doctor, so I don't spend much time there, but I think you have to be aware physically what's going on with your body, how that can affect you. If you break your foot, you register the pain of a broken foot. So that's a physical connection, biological connection of registering that pain. How you handle your broken foot, though, goes into what tires. So see, everything starts to overlap. Why do some people handle physical adversity and self-pity? Woe is me. Why do bad things always happen? Others say, nope, this isn't going to get me down. I'm going to push through this because it's all then it comes an emotional mental state of mind so this is where you start to see the overlap of how you handle physical adversity or struggles yeah and and it's interesting in how life. yeah that link it'll dip into the other areas holistically mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. and if you're not addressing all of them you're going to be dissatisfied in life mm-hmm. and in your relationships and you know, it's funny that you brought up a broken foot you know you break your foot it, your brain goes hey that sucker just broke, and that's very painful. Mm-hmm. And people don't hesitate to go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's no shame. There, Well, there could be, I guess, depending on how you broke your foot. Sure. Right? Yeah, so if yeah. you were like, whatever, stonewall drunk in church, and you 
you know, trip trying to get into don't baptism. Want, don't want to share that one. <laughs> right. right. That could be humiliating. But it, but the point, though, is people aren't humiliated and shamed to get their their foot fixed or their arm fixed or their, you know, whatever that physical, like, clearly. But it is funny how if it's emotional, mm-hmm. right, if I'm broken emotionally, ooh, I got to pray that one through. Mm-hmm. I can't share this with anyone. I need to keep this a secret. And again, I think it's another strategy of the evil one mm-hmm. of going, hey, I'm going to heap shame and condemnation on you for these feelings and these things mm-hmm. or these wounds that have been left unaddressed yeah. in order to keep you trapped. Yeah, and we, we isolate ourselves. Either the enemy isolates us or we isolate ourselves and think I'm the only one that would have this story, the only one that struggles. And when I work with couples, my goal is not to minimize their issues, but it is to normalize yeah. You, me, and everyone is figuring out how to do marriage life well. And what you get often is a snapshot of a couple smiling, but you don't go in behind closed doors to see what their relationship really is like and struggling. Well, what's really so. funny that I tell people all the time, you know, because, I mean, how many couples have you met with over the years in an intensive and somebody brings up that other couple, right? Like everything goes right for them and they're always happy and they come to church and they have smiles. The truth is that couple is probably doing the exact same thing mm-hmm. because nobody is free from hurt and nobody's free from trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big, the, the big dirty secret, it seems like a lot of Christians forget is this thing called sin. Yes. Nobody's free from it. Therefore, everybody struggles. Yes. You got your thing. I got my thing. Mm-hmm. I wish my thing was your thing because you're, you know, very fit and you look like the body of a Greek god, maybe Hercules. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am Buddha. <laughs> Unfortunately, I eat my feelings. But you're very attractive, Buddha. I am a good-looking Buddha yeah. when it comes to Buddha. That's true. But it is Buddha nonetheless. Hey, and I'll tell you, I shared this just the other day at an event because you know I do comedy and mm-hmm. do date nights mm-hmm. around the country, and I was doing a date night, and I have this new intro for myself, and I'm not going to give it on the show. Because people have to come to the live show. Ooh, yeah. But it's pretty stinking funny. I really, like, I've landed on this thing that is so funny. But there's a part where I rub my belly. Okay. Right? Like, seductively. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's nice at oh, a church. yeah. People really appreciate they it. They have responded to that. Oh, well. yeah. yeah. Actually, they, they do. But um, it reminded me, though, because it's funny. And this even, maybe this even taps into the mental tire a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of perceptions. Mm-hmm. and beliefs and what America finds attractive and what Africa finds or what India finds attractive or what China finds. Do you realize in China, India, and Africa, the bigger dude like me, the Buddha-looking dude, is way more attractive? Huh. Do you know why? Why is that? Signifies wealth. Huh. They, that dude clearly has enough money to eat. I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm the Greek god in those other countries. Well, You'd be like, you know, they'd be like that. Get that out guy, of here. He's he's struggling. No, he's, <laughs> he he's obviously he's very poor. Yes. Hey, in China, and this is what I remembered. In China, I have women, especially older women, not necessarily younger women. Mm-hmm. Probably half a dozen of them, total strangers. Mm-hmm. And by the way, not at like an event of mine. This mm-hmm. is just walking around doing life. Walking the streets of China, mm-hmm. and I think this was Beijing, Lijiang, and Kunming. It's happened in all three cities. 
like 40, 30 to 40 year olds and older would come up to me and rub my belly. Hmm. They would just rub my belly. And then they would say things in Mandarin that I did not know, but my friend knew. Okay. Casey, you've met yeah. Casey, speaks fluently. Okay. And he'd start laughing. And I go, man, what do they say? He's like, no, it's really good. I'm like, man, they're, and they would just be, oh, man, wow. I almost did like a Chinese accent, which would have been heavily offensive <laughs> to many, <Yes. laughs> many, many people. <laughs> but, you know, it was the funniest thing because they'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're so handsome. And they're rubbing my belly telling me how handsome I am. Yeah. Because we create, again, this idea of perceptions. I hope Amy listens to the show. She, she will this one. Yeah, let's make sure. Uh, yes. I'll let you do that Yes, as the uh, friend. I will. You'll be like, hey, you need to listen to my show. It was really good. Yeah. Some I will, really good I'm, points. Yeah. I'll, Especially I'll under promote. physical. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got to help each other, Brandon. All right. Well, so what else? I kind of interrupted so you. So we did the Anything emotion- left on physical? No. I think that really, to me, sort of overarching shares the physical. All right. Fire. So now we're getting to the spiritual part that I teased at the beginning because I kind of warned you listeners that this is not going to be the physical that you think. Or I'm no. sorry, the spiritual that you right. think. Yeah. So this is really my, I try to keep things simple because I think our tendency is to overcomplicate things. And in the spiritual, it's really a truth versus a lie. What's real to you is not always true. Yeah. Fear is real, but in God's economy, when you match it up with scripture, truth says, do not fear. Oh. So how am I working myself toward what is true? Because truth is always going to be anchored outside of yourself, not within yourself. To me, if it's within yourself, it's just an opinion. Um, so we need to be aware that fear is very real, and you don't want to minimize that. But if you go live in your fear, you're anchoring yourself in something that's not true. I think the other component that we are not aware of is where the enemy can be at play to yeah. leverage sin in our lives and gain footholds in our marriage or individually that will affect the marriage. And really, my thinking on this with Satan is there's two main goals that he has. is to get our eyes off of Christ and on our circumstances, on self. And the second is to go after our identity, the core of who we are. So he'll whisper the lie, see, you're worthless. See, you have no value. If you were a good Christian, so Satan has it both ways. He'll lead us, help lead us to the sin. Yeah. Oh, why don't you go do this to make yourself feel us. better? And then he'll turn around and condemn us. You'll be so much happier. Yes. You'll feel so much better. And then he'll turn around and say, well, a good Christian would not do that. I can't believe you just yeah. did that. What a horrible person you are right. and what a terrible husband or what yeah. an awful wife. So yeah. it's not Satan hiding behind every tree and he's the one. Because we can, if we look at Adam and Eve and Satan in the garden... You know, they each tried to blame the Mm -hmm. other, but God held them responsible. So I'm always responsible for my sin, even if the enemy is tempting tempting or has a level of influence to be able to help to leverage the sin. So what we're talking about here, folks, in spiritual, because we could also call this tire spiritual warfare. Yeah. Would be another phrase we could use. So again, we're not just talking simply about Bible study or scripture. What we're trying to say is there are forces at work that work that that their entire goal in life is our complete annihilation and destruction. Right. And we can't now now you know I've shared this a bunch on the podcast about when you you were a huge part of opening my eyes on the spiritual warfare component mm-hmm. of life. Mhm. And cuz I think you'd already been meeting with Ed and well and you grew up in a more charismatic 
yeah. uh, you know, church but, style. And we swung that, probably too hard that you did. direction. And the devil so, was everywhere, right. right? My car didn't start because the devil got into the muffler. Right. Which, may, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I doubt it was the devil because he's not omnipresent. Right. But so you already were kind of raised in that environment. But then you meet Ed, who was very healthy, mm-hmm. very balanced in, in this idea of spiritual world. Well, you know, he has, you got to look at everything holistically, mm-hmm. all four of these areas. But it was, you know, this is the guy, people. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, especially where I get into spiritual warfare and things and struggles that we had with our oldest child when we first moved down here, mm-hmm. uh, do you remember when I called you? Yeah. And I was on I-45, and I was like, I don't know what to do. This creepy thing happened back in, uh, it was probably back in November or December mm-hmm. or something. This would have been And usually it's, it's, out of the, it's out of the norm. Like, this is yeah. unusual. And it That's, was unusual. Yeah. But I, but where Satan attacked me was, don't you dare tell a soul about what just happened up here. Mm-hmm. And for the listener who's unaware of the story, it's, it's, not, it's nothing scary. It was just my, how old was Cole? Nine? Nine or yeah, ten? Was... And... Uh, you know, he'd gotten in trouble. I'd sent him to his room. But when we had moved from Branson, Missouri, down here to the Houston area, um, you know, in the course of six months, he'd gone from this golden child to a complete and total delinquent. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, when I had him in the car driving north, I was driving, I think, up to Branson maybe or somewhere to have my dad and brother pray over him. And he had stolen money from school, mm. stolen some little girl's lunch money and. I mean, it was just totally out of control, but I had had this experience with him months earlier where I had sent him to his room, and then when I came up to give him his consequence, he was, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but he was up on his bed, which he was like a a faux bunk bed. It was a tall bed, and he had a desk under it, Mm -hmm. and he was thrashing from headboard to footboard, headboard to footboard, just just screaming and cursing, and you've known me a long time. Yeah. I... I'm not the normal average Christian, especially when it comes to language. Yes. So you know, I mean, I'll yeah. use words, and mm-hmm. um, I certainly don't want it to be dishonoring to people. So I'm, I'm not like cussing people out, nothing sure. like that. But my point is, my kids weren't prude to language. Right. They had heard some words dropped. Man, he was using words like that I don't use, that a nine-year-old doesn't use. I mean, they were horrific words. And he's just furious and just thrashing about cursing like a sailor and it freaked me out because i'm like okay something's wrong now here's and i think this is perfect for the tire analogy mm-hmm. all four is i was trained and well practiced to handle the emotional mm-hmm. the uh mental mm-hmm. even the biological and have an awareness of the biological totally understood it mm-hmm. i had taken lots of Pharma, you know, pharmaceutical, like I'd taken classes on a doctoral level. I mean, I knew things. I wasn't obviously a medical doctor, but I was, you know, I didn't. I, you at least knew where to point I did. people. I could at least figure or, or know things must be going on to send mm-hmm. them to someone who can diagnose them properly. I was, I don't even know how to word it. I was ignorant mm-hmm. on the spiritual warfare aspect. And so when I'm only analyzing or, or looking at my child based off of that, based off of the emotional, mental, and physical, then I was grossly missing what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. But when I looked th- at him and this behavior on the bed through those three lenses, mm-hmm. those three tires, uh, it was, you know, the most logical answer is that somebody was messing with him. 
-hmm. Somebody was abusing him uh, sexually more than likely. Mm Because kids at nine don't, they don't do a 180 on their own. The way he was acting. Yeah, you don't go from this kid to this total delinquent Mm -hmm. by yourself. I mean, something happens, right? Or we tend to want to assign a disorder going on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I stopped Cole and was like, dude, what is going on? So now I'm convinced someone's abusing him. So I, I spend 15 minutes creating this totally safe, emotionally safe environment. Mm-hmm. It's saying, I love you no matter what. And I mean, just dropping hints. Like, even if someone was hurting you, even if someone threatened you mm-hmm. to never tell me because what they're doing to you, I still love you. Mm-hmm. And daddy is here to protect you and blah, blah, blah. So I do all of this stuff to create the safe environment. Mm-hmm. And then I go, you have to tell me what's going on. And then that's where Cole looked at me and starts sobbing. I mean, big alligator tears. And I went, oh. And honestly, my first thought was, Lord, please help me not run out of this home and kill somebody. Mm -hmm. That was my first thought was, that is the wrong. I got to be here for him. Mm -hmm. And daddy killing someone and being in prison is not (laughs) going to be there. But that was my first thought was, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt whoever this is because it's about to happen. Because you know what's coming. Oh, he's going to tell me. And I go, son, you can tell me. And he looked at me with these big tears and goes, daddy, I just can't make the music stop. Hmm. <laughs> and I remember going, wait, what? I get, and just bawling. Like, this was a real thing. I went, and now I get frustrated because he had also been lying a lot. Hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, come on. Mm-hmm. The music, what is it, ACDC? You know, I mean, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he sobs and he says, and I quote, Daddy, if I just do something bad, they stop the music. Hmm. That was the moment where I went, you know, like you hear it in your head, do, 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 do. Yeah, like we're dealing with something different. Oh, and I had no idea. I was totally ignorant to the spiritual tire. And I just, I did. I went, Okay. I knew he wasn't lying. Mm-hmm. Right? Nine years old. Yeah. To like, come up with something like that. Yeah. That, like, that's, yeah. There has to. And I just went, okay. And into my utter failure, I looked at him and said, well, uh, let's not talk about this to anyone. And good luck with life. You know, you make, didn't know what to do with I didn't that know information. What to do with that? It freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And then months later, he gets, you know, he's stealing something. So I'm finally like, I don't know what I need to do. So I'm driving. And I'm going to just take Cole around to have various people pray over him. And I end up calling you because I'm going right through Dallas. Mm-hmm. And you are and you really confronted me. Do you remember that call? Vaguely. Really? This is like memory. a big moment I, in my life. I remember connecting you, you with so Ed. Horrible. And, yeah, but you and don't remember sharing. confronting me. No. You confronted me. And no. that's not you. You're yeah. not like a slap you in the face kind of guy. Right. Neither am I. Yeah, I think that's why you and I have maintained 25 years. Well, one, you wouldn't stop harassing. We just and avoid you. and ignore. We do. The <laughs> so tension. If when we hurt each other's feelings, we'll never talk about it. Yeah. And we don't have to live with each other. Right. So we're okay. We can get yeah. over stuff. But you really confront. And you didn't yell at me, obviously. Yeah. But you, you went. Because for years, you'd been trying to get me to bring Ed down to train my therapist. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. And do you remember what I used to tell you? This is really bad. Remind me. I would I... say, Brandon, demons are your thing. I work with real people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you remember that? So you signed me as crazy. Basically. Yeah. Yes, I did. 
And the devil was so pleased. Yeah. He's like, man, I got this dude. Like he, and that, what sadly I made it easy. And so you, you were like, this is enough. Like if you can't see what this actually is, Mm -hmm. then you're failing. You're failing your son. You're failing blah. And I mean, very loving. And I Mm -hmm. knew it was coming out of a loving place, but it, that is when it hit me. Like a ton of bricks. I actually had to pull over. Yeah. I pulled over because I was sobbing. Because <laughs> hmm. the Holy Spirit said, okay, yeah. are you ready now? And then that's where I got to meet Ed for the first time, who was very gracious mm-hmm. at a Starbucks for four hours. Yeah. Has he ever met and with he's you not- at a Starbucks for four hours? Not at a Starbucks. No. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Maybe. I think Ed's always liked me better. He he secretly texts <laughs> me that, that he likes you better. He does, doesn't yeah. he? I yeah. knew it. So point is, folks is that what my son was actually dealing with was spiritual warfare. Right. There had, I had allowed uh, a, a certain level of influence into my home, mm-hmm. and the only way to help him was to fight back or fight that spiritually. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where, I think I have a digital download available on the website yeah. called Protecting Your Family. Mm-hmm. So it's a thing it's from a great, Ed. Yeah. Yeah, resource. Um, and, yeah, and really in is. that spiritual tie, I think, again, it's important to keep the balance of, you know, C.S. Lewis has a quote that generally says, Satan takes equal delight when we minimize or when we overemphasize. So it's how do we keep the balance of looking at all, you know, areas of yeah. the spiritual tire that, you know, I found where when I anchor myself in the truth, God answers me that way. But there are times where I think, man, I'm spinning my wheels, and I, I feel like the fish hook is in me. Yeah. Like there's a false sense of freedom, but the fish hook has been in me the whole time. I've just had a leeway, a lot yeah. of leeway on the line, but eventually things trigger, and then it just shocks me. Like, why am I back here again struggling with this thing? I thought, but it's because maybe circumstances changed, but the root yeah. issue was still there. It is. And-, and so the way the enemy gains, I think, footholds in our life, you know, and again, there's great resources from Ed that you can go listen to specifically is through sinning, being sinned against, and generational sin. Yeah. And so, you know, we need to be aware that that could be at play because there can even be the enemy has a stronghold over the marriage, not mm-hmm. just individually, but over a marriage. Well, and, and so it could be generational. Yeah. Because you're bringing that forward with you. And if you don't stop it, it keeps marching. It does. Forward. Now I've realized... You know, I'm looking here at my recording software and how long I dominated right here. You can see this is me yes. on the top line. Yes. And below are these little chirps of you going probably, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. I'm validating you. You are. Yes. You're very validating. Yes. And so, because uh, what I've realized is I think you and I need to do a series of shows on the spiritual warfare stuff and how it impacts the family and the marriage. Yeah. Because a lot of people that. don't address that. I mean, I don't know of very many people. Well, that I think we need that. to start creating more of an awareness yeah. of the possibility of this. Well, it's not even just a possibility; it's happening. Yeah. And again, not over attributing. Right. It's not everything, but it is a part of it. And kind of how I said at the beginning of the show, that by far is the most neglected mm-hmm. tire that I deal with. Yeah. Is people and and my red flags. Or when I ask a couple, you know, and I'm kind of hearing their story, and they're saying, we've done everything. 
Mm-hmm. We've done intensives before. We've done marriage counseling. We've done retreats. We've met with this person. We've done that program. We read this book. None of it seems to help. And every single time I'll go, well, just out of curiosity, have you, have you ever dealt with this on a spiritual level? And they're like, well, what do you mean? Well, like it's spiritual warfare, and invariably they always go, well, what's that? Yeah. And, I and think, they just had no idea. Yeah, and I think we'll acknowledge that Satan exists as believers, but we're not aware of how strategic he is in trying to create disunity and stir things up and get our eyes off of Christ and on ourself. So are you willing to do a series of shows with me? Yeah, I love that. Are you committing right now? Yes. For free? Yes. All right. I That is on. Yes. All right, everybody. Well, thank so, you so much yeah. for coming on the show. Bro, we've gone... 44 minutes so far. Wow. And, and I did not think we'd be able to do that so well. Yeah. And so let's, just to wrap up the marriage yes. car, I think um, it's important to understand we need to look through the front windshield, driving forward, not through the rear. It's, it's hard to drive forward if you're constantly looking through the rear right. mirror. Because emotions usually take you back to the past. Yeah. Beliefs will take you back to the past. Spiritually, you know, we all have a belief system, positive and negative, about ourselves other people, God. And so I think we have to work through issues, and but we can do that looking through the front windshield rather than just looking through what's not working. And yeah. so how do we put like air that. in the tires to make sure they're at 32, 35 pounds of pressure and the car drives well so we don't keep veering off? Yeah. So we know where we're going. And that can even introduce the idea of like a mission and vision statement. Yes. Ooh, for, which is another one. For a couple that says, how, why are we doing life together? Where yeah, are we what's going our purpose? in our marriage? And so, you know, those are things. But I think, again, the marriage car is a good assessment tool that can help me understand how are we doing emotionally? Mm-hmm. How are we doing mentally? And your individual car, because we all have an individual car, will probably mirror the marriage car. So yeah. if you're deficient here, you're probably seeing deficiency in your marriage car. Very true. So. That is excellent. Well, Brandon, thank you again for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for agreeing it. to do 400 more shows. Yes. I'll, and, just, I'll put those on the calendar. <laughs> and I just want to remind everybody, download the Reignite Your Marriage app. It is on every platform. Just search for Reignite Your Marriage. And as always, on the website, smalleyinstitute.com. Just right there on the homepage, folks, I got three amazingly powerful online courses that you can sign up for today to help you build a better relationship well smalley marriage radio is brought to you by the smalley institute if your marriage is on life support reignite your relationship in just two days find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com or call us toll free at 888-565-6462 My heart skips skipping the beat. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. 
Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Constellation can answer all of them with energy solutions that fit your needs. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com energy.